Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by me, Fraser McGrewer, for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm here with Chris Ragg, Nick Hare and Peter Coghill of Aleph Insights. And this week, we're talking about why computers are so bloody friendly. So, yeah, the other week I was doing something on my computer, as one does. Browsing porn. <laughs> and um... Didn't deny it. <laughs> So, so you completely threw me off track. <laughs> so, I can just interject. Stop thinking about the porn and get on with yeah. the podcast. Frankly. No, no, but I just there, there was a um, a moment in Parliament about thirty years ago right. where Michael Heseltine stood up to deliver a speech, and he had his hand in his pocket, and um, Dennis Skinner shouted, "Stop playing with yourself!" And Heseltine later said, "Well, the, the problem with that is if he left his hand there, it would be." Like he was still playing with himself, but he took his hand out. It was an admit. It would be it an would admitted. be admitting. I think you're in the same position now. Yeah, no, but carry on, please yeah, carry on. Thank you. Um, so uh, I think I was starting up my computer. He wanted me to install something, and I forget what it was, but it was just so damn happy about it and so congratulatory about the whole thing. And um, we're it, excited that you're choosing to use this upgrade. Yeah, um, and even I think Jack D once said, even you know, when it, when you turn a computer on, it goes. Ta-da! And you know his his sort of things. Oh God, what's the big deal? What's what are you so happy about? And it, and yeah, it, you've, you you fulfilled your minimum function, which is turning on. I think was what he said. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it occurred to me that hold on, it, it, we've we've kind of got used to computers being so friendly with us and so enthusiastic and uh, with us that we've kind of might have forgotten, you know, or, or we we become inured to it. It got me thinking that the reason why this kind of this sort of way of talking, this way of communication has become you're so ubiquitous and so successful is precisely because they're like that. So let's say that the Soviet Union had um, developed the software that we all start, that we all use all the time, that actually that, that was an impossibility. That could never have happened. In Soviet Russia, computer right. programs you. Yes, right. I don't, I'm not making my point very clearly. Do you get what I'm trying to say? I totally here? get what you're saying because I'm as infuriated as you are. Right. And I think this boils down to this this issue of the computers trying to be your best mate. Yeah. And for me, the rot set in uh, in Windows ninety five, right? Windows three, Windows three point one. Uh, it was pretty workaday. I mean, it you know it was uh, it was fairly functional. You know, it was nice graphic. It certainly was revolutionary at the time. Unless you're a Mac user, in which case you'll claim that it was all ripped off from from Mac stuff. But it, you know, if you wanted to find. Oh, that's perfect. Is that Alexa? <laughs> do we want We've to just get, been interrupted we, we by Alexa. <laughs> We've been interrupted by Alexa. <laughs> that is absolutely perfect timing. So, um, and then Windows 95 came along, and, and I think they'd realized that now their target market was no longer businesses. And, you know, in Windows 3.1, you had, if you wanted to find your files, you'd navigate, you'd go through File Explorer and you'd get to, you know, your C drive and it would be called the C drive. And then, you know, you get to Windows 95 and suddenly there's a thing called My Computer. My Computer. And that drove me mad. I was so annoyed by that because it just seemed illogical to have an icon on my computer called My Computer. My Computer sitting in front of me. That's not my computer. What that is is a set of uh, links to hard drives and files. 
It's not, it's not the same thing as my computer. And, and, I, and I feel like ever since then, operating systems, you know, apps, mobile phone apps, everything has just been, it wants to be your best mate. It's always like talking to you when you install it. You know, hey, would you like some help with that? Would you like, you know, w- would you like to get on our mailing list? Hey, would you like you to know about like these other apps? Letter. It's all of that stuff. It drives me nuts. Yeah. Um, so um, let, I want to hear from Peter. What do you reckon? Uh, well, the, the 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 sort of Californian positive spirit kind of attitude to a lot of these AIs probably comes from the fact that they they come from the, the global tech cradle in California, yeah. in Silicon Valley. I mean, I think you know we're all sort of fairly sort of miserable English types or British types, right? Yeah, I'd like to turn so the we, computer we, on and, and for it to say, "What can I do you for?" <laughs> Well, yeah, we're not wanting to invoke too many kind of national stereotypes. Yes, a British-designed AI, you'd expect to be slightly sarcastic and wacky. You've jumped straight to AIs. Well, Uh, I think we're talking uh, about interface design. Interface and AIs, but yeah. But it's an interesting thought. Sarcastic and wacky, so it might might just hide your my, my computer icon just for a laugh. Just on a ra- on a on a random 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 basis, and you may, you might expect the Russian designed AI to be a bit sort of morose and dark about things. It wouldn't. It just wouldn't. It, wherever it was, it wouldn't be where you wanted it to be. Yeah, computer is not work today. <laughs> I mean, presu- presumably though, you know, from the from the AI um, perspective. You know, they start out. They start out friendly and Californian because that's where they were programmed. But surely the whole, the, you know, the 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 future that's ahead of us is ones that adapt to us as individuals and learn whether we're cynical, friendly. You know, what we like in the morning and uh, and what we like in the evening. I feel like we've we run should... a very long way ahead very quickly here. Like we're almost about to do a touchdown. So bring us back then. Well, I, so well, I will, and and I think it's to do with how humans uh let's start with the question of how humans want to interface with machines and the extent to which that's something fundamental about our attitude to them because they're machines uh or whether it's something whether it's whether it's a question of the designers of the machines wanting to trick us into thinking that there's something else so so let's just start with that this concept of how we interface with machines because of course that's changed dramatically over quite a short space of time in 30 years we've gone from you needing to be reasonably technical and to speak the machine's language to be able to even just to use something as high level as something like dos you kind of needed i mean you certainly couldn't type you know you couldn't talk to dos you had to use dos's language it's kind of restricted vocabulary to be able to do things that we would think of as very simple today um you know, gradually towards being more and more user friendly and more more like a real life, more like a thing, more like a kind of other person who is doing stuff for you, more like a kind of servant of some kind, uh, a, a kind of, you know, a helpful person in your house, like like the kind of robots you used to get in, in sci fi films. Um we've so we've moved we've moved away from it being we have really had to go all the way to the computer to understand how to get it to do stuff, to it trying to do more and more for us. Um, now, is there a point at which it needs to stop and be just be a computer and act like a computer, or is there? Do we really want to go all the way down the Siri, Alexa, Cortana kind of route, where um, you know they are? We treat them like people and we talk to them like people. Okay, Peter. Uh, well, I think they they probably just responding to what they perceive as being the 
prevalent demand. The, the designers of the programs, yeah, the not designers the of the programs. I mean, I mean, I there there are different. There are sort of different styles. So um, Alexa, I think, is quite. Uh, she she's quite sort of business-like but friendly without being officious in the way she talks. Or supercilious. Uh, yeah, she, she, she's sort of helpful but not kind of chummy. Mm. Um, so she, yeah, so that, that, that suits my kind of style. Human-ish human but not trying to be too human. Whereas you get just like quite Peter of, himself. Just like me, yeah. Whereas you get lots of sort of chatbots on, on websites. If you go to a, a big software website there'll often be a thing bottom right that is kind of hi there if you've got any questions just ask and you could just have a box saying questions here and that would do that would be that would give the same message and be much more less messy in the way it's written but but, but I, I i think something peter said there was a really interesting tell uh and why they are doing this right he referred to alexa as she uh and he's already given it a gender and personified it and that's the whole point right they you know it's it's this it stems from this uh, or at least it partly stems from this uh whole you know marketing approach which is anything you sell you're trying to generate a you know a personal rapport with somebody in order to sell it to them and to get them to buy into the goods it's why you know every every craft beer or or packet of organic crisps has a you know a whole spiel about the people who made it in their their little farm and how how nice they are uh and this is just an extension of that it's the the good itself takes on uh, uh you know is kind of anthropomorphized to some extent and uh we strike up a relationship with it and and that buys sort of brand loyalty or you know we I think I think you've nailed it right because so now I'm going to go to the NF cupboard of useful concepts and bring out a, an old friend, Fisk's relational, relational models theory, which is, I think we talked about it before, about the way that we interact with companies, the way that companies want us to interact with them. Right, so they're, they're, this is the idea that there are basically th- four kinds of relationship you can have when you're, um, well, when you're kind of sharing resources or at least distributing resources. And of course, when you're doing a job together, which you and the computer are, it's not dissimilar. And he says there's, he's observed that there's communal sharing where you're all kind of, um, you know, just parceling out stuff. Uh, equality matching where you're trying to make sure that no one's getting, getting stiffed, uh, like if you're, you know, splitting a bill. Authority ranking where you're the boss and you decide who gets what. And then market pricing where it's totally, uh, you know, dehumanized and it's a single price and everyone gets the same. Uh, everyone pays the same price. And I, and I feel like here this is computers, uh, certainly how I perceive it, why I get irritated with it. Because I feel like they're misjudging the relationship that I have with them. As far as I'm concerned, I am in an authority ranking relationship with the computer. And in case anyone's wondering, if there's any computers listening, I'm the boss in that relationship. I decide what they do. They're not my friend, right? It is as inappropriate as an employee who, you know, is getting chummy with you and wants to talk about goss and private life and stuff. It's just, it is irksome and irritating for that reason. And I think that's, I think that's more or less it. I think Chris has, has nailed it. Um, just well, that, 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 comes, that brings us back nicely. Are the, the, these these interfaces, which are a product of the Silicon Valley kind of style of organisation, which are a bit more like that? They're a bit more communal and chummy. They in, pretend to be, yeah. They pretend to be, or they try to be, or they aspire to be. Whereas the traditional kind of Western European corporate culture is very much hierarchical and feudalistic in terms of there are these overlords, and then you are the underling who does work based on their on their on their whim. 
but and that goes back to my original question isn't it precisely that kind of organization that's more informal that's more horizontal in its structure that's got the greater chances of success in producing um, innovative ne- technology so it's all it's inevitable that we end up with these really friendly computer interfaces i don't i don't think that's true at all i mean i think it's possible to nurture true innovation in a very sort of a hierarchical traditional company plenty of companies do that i mean um and yet the reality though is that all computer interfaces are, are, are really friendly yeah i think you're making a bit too much of this relationship between look um, it's not it's like advertising talk advertising talk also wants to be friendly right again and i think it's this mismatch between because I, I think in the previous podcast, I mentioned this in the context of restaurants want to make you feel like you're there, you're, you're in a kind of family relationship. They want to make you feel comfortable like you do if you're having a meal with your family. But it's actually a market pricing relationship. So they try and disguise the fact that you're basically there paying for them to do stuff. They want to make it look like they're kind of giving you stuff for fun. And I, and I think, you know, the language of advertising, again, they want to get, take you out of a market pricing relationship and make you feel like you're in a kind of communal sharing relationship with them because that's where we're most comfortable. And I just think it's, it's sort of, uh, it's not necessarily Silicon Valley. It, it might just be because that's just a good trick. It works. Anyway, just one thing I want to come back to is... Um, there was an there was an article yesterday, just yesterday. I don't know if you saw it. I think it's from Google, um, which was they played some examples of um, an AI ordering um, first of all making a point an appointment for for a haircut for someone, and then another one of the AI. Inter- so this is over the telephone, cool. um, interacting with someone to book a restaurant um, table. Did, did any of you see this? No, but go no, on. But I definitely need both of those things. That's okay. And what was... And so there were a couple of things that were interesting. And, and so essentially, like I said, I think it was Google. And a couple of things came out is they put in... When the AI was speaking, they put in a lot of uh, mm, uh-huh, uh-huh, that kind of thing. And that worked really nicely. And and the, and often the people, or certainly in the examples they showed, the people they were dealing with didn't realise it was an AI. I, I need some more information. Were, were the people they were dealing with aware that they were talking to no. an AI? Yeah. Okay. I no. suppose if you're trying to mimic human a human then mm. yes you need to introduce so, the so, but, verbal but, ticks but the difficult yeah realistic. but the difficulty is getting those ticks in the right place and doing all the programming behind that um, but also when so in the second example it was really interesting where it turned out you didn't need to book at this restaurant if you had a certain number of people and the ai got it the ai understood um so that's the first thing but the second thing was i think something peter said earlier on or was was what or maybe it was yourself nick what we want from our ai and how friendly do we want them to be because one of the things that again let's say it was google said was that but actually when the day comes when we actually release this kind of concierge service it will always be the case that we'll let the people know that actually it's an ai they're talking with well, so so I think this is this is coming even quicker than than that because uh, you know Google are in the process of launching their um, Smart Compose uh, service for for emails, which you've probably seen it uh, to some extent already. When you get an email, it's guessing what your response might be, and you can simply it's now making that more sophisticated, and presumably that is going to learn more about your style of communication, which of those options you pick, it will offer more more often. Uh, and I think this type of thing gets to the heart of why we find uh, friendliness in computers p- potential, uh, p- particularly difficult to deal with. It's it's the presumptuousness 
of them um, pretending to be human and we know they're going to supplant us at some some stage and we we have a deep freudian deep freudian resentment of of that and um this this uh you know this this fact that now you're gonna have we're a gonna dilemma. let him get away with that but carry on <laughs> um now you're gonna have this dilemma of other people writing emails back to you and you don't know whether those have been composed by themselves part composed by themselves or they've just clicked whatever the response will happen to be, how will you then feel about those responses coming coming back to you? And it's like getting a handwritten letter that you find was actually not a not a genuine yeah. handwritten well, letter. Well, there's a big industry in people writing handwritten letters. Exactly. Uh, well, isn't that and, the, and in, what, in, in that fantastic film, which everyone ought to watch, Her? Yeah, that's his that's job. What he, he does, is write handwritten letters. But imagine um, if it wasn't him... I mean, at least at least that's a person. It's a, you know, when you were talking about, and is, but, I, but, is, I, but I see this as just an extension of the spell check function in in your browser or, or or your word processor. I'm totally reliant on that. Being quite dyslexic, I don't do words very well, and I'm utterly reliant on the spell check in terms of putting meaningful sentences together. And even then, as Chris and Nick will attest, I I get it wrong quite frequently. But uh, that to me is just a, is a really useful crutch slash coping mechanism for something that I'm just not able to do. I mean, the, the the interesting loop will come when, of course, you know, you you send back the Google Smart Compose to somebody who then turns another one back around to you. At which point, we all presumably go home and put our feet up. Yeah, although well, that, you know, if that, I got an email, that's from, ideal, isn't it? But if I got an email from Peter with no spelling mistakes, I'd think a, a computer's written this. <laughs> this is really unconvincing. Um, um, okay, so where do we go? We're, we're we're close to wrapping up, but not quite there. Um, anything anyone wants well, to say? We could we can we've been talking a lot about um, the kind of human interaction AI. We could extend it a bit further to general interfaces, as Nick was trying to go with with the my computer icon that you hate so much. You can rename it if you want. Yeah, I did. Um, that's the first thing I did. <laughs> I called it something like Gerald. But the, the, but the, I, I think what what's going to happen with the 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 um, voice activated AI interfaces is what if I composite a prediction, what has already happened with other computer interfaces that there will be a sort of a regression to the mean where we realise we don't need all this fluff and all this kind of nicety. We want the computer to do its subservient function at our command. Um, and so we'll, we'll, uh, So if you look, think about visual design of websites and apps and all sorts of computer-related interfaces, 1990s, 2000s, it was all quite flashy graphics, lots of color, lots of shading, totally unnecessary. Now, it's, now there's a sort of um, a style often called paper or material design is what Google calls it. They're, that's their style guide for apps which is all bold colors, flat, bold colors, with a bit of shading to, to suggest uh, elevation from the, from the surface. Um, but it's all simple, simple icons, simple design. And I think there might be a regression in terms of the voice-activated stuff in a similar vein, back towards a more obviously computer-esque way of doing things. Yes, like, uh, you know, a Stephen Hawking voice or something. Yeah, more yeah, like... Because I, I have to say, when I'm interacting, even if it's something like, you know, there's voice-activated menus when you phone a call a call centre and you get a voice-activated menu where it says, um, tell me what you want, and you, you're supposed to say, you know, uh, complaints or something. <clears throat> I know the idea is that they're supposed to be humanising the experience, but what I, I experience it as me being dehumanised. 
I am having to, you know, bit perform like a performing monkey for for a computer at the other end. It dehumanizes me. And and uh, so I think you know yeah so you, think, user friendly basically yeah, doesn't I need think, to mean actually friendly yeah I think the yeah I think the the it's been driven at, up until now it's being driven currently by the what's technically possible rather than what's actually useful in the same way that like uh, the early two thousands websites were all too colourful too textured. And we've regressed back to a, a more purist design approach where we go, what's the minimum we need to get across the information to, to, the, to the consumer? People have got a bunch of new toys and they're playing with them. But... The, the application designers uh, were so uh, interested in whether, in whether they could that they forgot about whether they should. You stole my line, Jeff Goldblum <laughs> from, from, from Jurassic Park. I was yeah. about to say exactly that. Um, before we finish, just um, talking, nothing to do with computers, but relationships and interfaces being as they should, um, not, you know, uh, faking it. Um, a, a pet hate of mine, okay, is people calling me mate, right? When I don't think they fall into a category of person who should be calling me mate. But if they so, call you mate, they're probably about to start a fight with you. Well, okay, so I actually wouldn't mind that. Well, I don't in mind in that. Scotland, they get around this. They've got a word called, pa- you know, you call pal. people pal, which is like, someone you're trying to be friendly with but you don't know their name uh, but not mate mate is reserved for people no pal is also fighting it. talk yeah. Yeah. now come on pal so you, you're going to the wrong pubs mate <laughs> no, so no. anyway but They're the I, best people pubs. people who i i like calling me mate are my mates okay yeah, but we don't so, i've never never called you mate yeah, in no, my you life haven't, no. but if, if someone is my friend i don't mind them calling me mate i quite like it if someone if i don't know them at all just some bloke in the street calls me mate i quite like that that's fine that's friendly right but what i don't like is someone who vaguely knows me, maybe in a professional sense or something, um, an acquaintance. Is it younger people calling you mate you have a problem with? You'd rather uh, they called you what Mr. About, Fraser. No, anyone. Would they call, do you like it if they call you bro? I definitely wouldn't like that. What about geese? No. Yeah. I, mean, I once I, got called geese a fella about 10 years I, ago. I, I didn't like that. that's an interesting one. But I, I think <laughs> this, is, this goes back to that misjudging relationship. And that's, I think, what this all boils down to. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Right. Okay, cheers, mate. Um, so we'll stop there right bruv thanks as always for listening to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast I'm Fraser McGrew we've been here with Nick Hare Peter Coghill and Chris Ragg of Aleph Insights until next time bye bye (laughs) 